was uh, Kanye West's new project, or possibly a cry for help. It's hard to tell. Coming up next, new music by a man who continues to surprise us all. After hitting rock bottom, he pulled himself up by his bootstraps and launched a lucrative career as a painter. And as if that wasn't enough, we'll be debuting his brand new album about the importance of family and forgiveness. Hunter Biden coming up. But first, questionable material with Jack and Brian. You're listening to Questionable Material, a mostly improvised podcast produced in New York by Jack Helmuth and Brian Sack. Uh, Polish Tourism Bureau. I already regret making this call. Um, hi, I, hello, hello, hi. Um, Good. I was wondering uh, if you could maybe talk me through some of the um, uh, pluses and minuses of, of visiting your fine country uh, yes. because I'm thinking about taking my family overseas. Well, you will like it uh, to come here. Uh, we have a lot of uh, places to visit. There's uh, many cities that uh, the Nazis did not destroy. You can come see them. Uh, mm-hmm. We have our, our capital is Warsaw, mm. and it starts with W, ends with W. I dare you to name one other city that has such a, a name like this. Let's see. Hmm. I can't do it. They do go. I can't do. Wow. I, I mean, my I think my kids would probably love to see that. They're they're uh, six and and four. So yeah, yes, and they we, really are into letters right now. Children love uh, Poland. They love to come visit here. We have a lot of child uh, figures in the media, in uh, in animations that they would mm-hmm. like. They have ca- we have cartoons for these children uh, that they will like. Okay, well, I'm not going to necessarily fly my kids to Warsaw just to watch some Polish cartoons. Yes. Yes. So um, what time are you coming? Well, I don't, I, you know, I was thinking about August. Now, August in, in America is a very popular time to travel. Yeah, oh, August. Yes, of course. It's very nice. It's very warm. You mm-hmm. don't need to bring too much clothing. You bring a snowsuit. People will, we will laugh at you. We will assemble at the airport and line up and laugh at you. Call you snowsuit man. You are stupid. Why, why are you doing this? You, you are dumbing. And we, we, we mock you if you, if you wear snow. So, so don't, don't come to Poland in, in August with snowsuit or you will have mocking. And I don't do this. It's not personal. It seems like a very strange uh, course of action for a tourism committee. Come to maybe Gdansk, uh, which is on the Baltic. It's nice. It's water in the old village. And uh, Lech Walensa is from nearby there. Oh, cool. My, my kids have always uh, asked me where Lech Walensa is from. Oh, do they talk of him and solidarity? Oh, this is excellent. Your children are very well educated. I like this very much. You are welcome to come here and enjoy our cartoons. Do not wear a snowsuit. Uh, let's get back to my kids, though. What, what are some things that my kids can do other than watch cartoons? Because I know that. Yes. What are some things my kids can do in Poland that would make me want to say, hey, I want to spend my hundred dollars to, to take my family to Poland? Well, uh, of course, you know, uh, Disney World. Yes. Yeah, I, yes. American. My kids keep asking me, can we go there? Yes, well, then you take them. There's Disneyland in uh, outside of uh, Paris. 
and uh, mm -hmm. you stop there. And then there's quick flight from Paris to Warsaw after your children, you know, have the fun at the uh, Disneyland in Paris. So you're, <laughs> so you're pushing me to spend a phenomenal amount of money in France. Yes. And then to come to your country. Yep. I mean, is there anything for kids to do like within the borders of your country? Absolutely. Instead of just sort of outsourcing that to to, to other uh, Western European nations? Of course there is. Uh, do your children like mining? Not, not that I'm aware of. We have, uh, we have bodies of water. We have lakes. We have large uh, puddles from, because we have drainage issues in some cities. And so, you know, you have opportunities for swimming all over. Okay. Whew, man. Um, is there anything like uh, fun to do in your country? Yes. Like they, they would like bring a smile to someone's face? Absolutely. Do you like vodka? Um, sure. I, I'll have a drink occasionally. Okay, then. There are plenty of places with great vodka. Uh, your children will love it. It's very easy goes down. And so you can, you know, as you have fun family parties. Mm -hmm. uh, do you like geese? Uh, what, what's that now? Do you like geese? Geese. Uh, no, not particularly. They're a, a very uh, unfriendly bird. Do you like Ukrainians? No, they're very unfriendly people. Then you will have friends in the East. You can fight them. <laughs> you find them in <laughs> pubs and you attack them. <laughs> you want me? You want me to take on the Ukrainian problem in the eastern uh, side of your border? We could use some help. <laughs> Just, it's good to have to mix things up. Okay, and and why did you ask me about the geese? Then I'm thinking of things you might like here in Poland. Uh, do you like? <laughs> so in Poland, you want to be, you want to know if I'm interested in geese and Ukrainians. Well, in not necessarily in that order, but in that order, yes. <laughs> do you like board games? <laughs> yeah, very much. Then come play them here. What makes a, a a a board game Polish? Like like what's the the Polish version of the board game Risk? That's I think my favorite game. It's called, it's a game called Europe's Welcome Mat, and it is uh, so you can play the Soviet Union or Germany or mm -hmm. uh, Prussia or Lithuania or Sweden, and you just keep coming in and destroying <laughs> everything and then leaving. <laughs> okay. Well, Kind of sounds like fun. Yeah, it's, you know, it's fun for all the other players. Whoever plays Poland <laughs> is just kind of sitting there like, are you serious? No, you Sweden even attacks us? What is going on here? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I would imagine it's, that. Well, that's a good pointer. Um, how do you play a uh, Polish Monopoly? Well, a uh, Polish Monopoly, uh, basically, you know, it looks like a regular Monopoly board, but then, sure. uh, and you have all your hotels and houses. And then some German comes and just throws the whole board in the air and all your houses and hotels are destroyed. <laughs> so the game comes with a German who's just sort of going to hang out in your house and jump you about two thirds of the way through the game. Yeah. 
He what he does, he just stands there, says nothing. You're playing the game, you're having a good time. And then when he feels like it's time, right over, lifts up the board, up in the air, everything falls to pieces. You don't know, oh, did I have health on Boulevard? I don't know. <laughs> All right, last question. This because this can't be um there's nothing that can be depressing. All these things sound so depressing, but you, but you can't make Yahtzee depressing. And it's a classic just dice game. What's the Polish version of Yahtzee? The Polish version of Yahtzee is called There He Is. <laughs> okay, how do, so how do you play? You just roll the five die? Or you, have, you have, the, there's four die and then one die that looks just a little Jewish. <laughs> And you put it and you shake it and you throw it. And the first one to see that one, it says, there he, there he is. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And what happens to that die? You have to replace it with a regular one. That seems offensive, but. That's what they say. <laughs> <laughs> Do your children like salt? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, we try to limit their intake, but yes, they ask for, you know, if they have corn on the cob or popcorn, yes. um, they will ask for some salt, yes. Mm -hmm. Then you come, any restaurant you come to here, they have salt on the table. Whoa, and how much extra does that cost? Only if you use it, then of course you have the surcharge. <laughs> oh, oh, there's a seasoning surcharge we call it. Okay, and and what does that money go to? Uh, we are still incredibly upset at the Russians, and so we're just trying to build a large uh, weapon with which we can destroy them. <laughs> so you're going to take my my kids. Uh, salt budget and put it into some sort of super weapon? That is the plan, yes. <laughs> okay. Well, it sounds like, I mean, Poland has so much to offer. Yes. Um, uh, you know what? Um, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and book, uh, book a ticket for, uh, for four, please. Two? For four. Four, for what? No, uh, the number four, for four human beings to come to your country. Yeah, but we are closed for COVID. So, Brian. Yes, Jack. So, tomorrow is July 23rd, Friday. Yeah. Also, it is the start of the Summer Olympics. That is so exciting. It, I'm looking forward to yeah. it. If you heard about this story that has been in the news uh, in the last uh, couple of days, um, apparently uh, Olympic organizers announced that athletes will sleep on bed frames made from recyclable cardboard with mattresses formed of... Uh, like also recyclable materials that will be reused for plastic products after the game. So it's an all recyclable, uh, uh, very small room that these Olympians are going to be in. And these very tiny beds made of cardboard for the athletes uh -huh. to discourage more than one person from being in the bed where um, uh, uh, whoopee and magic can, can take place. So it's th the idea is, if your bed is too small and only built for one and made of cardboard, you're not going to be doing it with other Olympians and uh, uh, possibly uh, spreading COVID throughout the Olympic Village. You're on the Olympic uh, Committee, aren't you? I am. I'm a member of the IOC, the International Olympic Committee. 
I mean, right there. I mean, who else would that? I mean, that proves it. Who else would know what IOC stands exactly. for? Exactly. Like, I would never guess that. Yeah. I'd be like, isn't that that dingbat New York politician? Nope. That's a different uh, IOC with an A. Okay. Yeah. See, I don't even know this. Yeah. You're such an expert, Brian. So, so I would like to to um, to learn more about this. I'm so interested in this anti-sex uh, crusade that they're mm-hmm. on. You know, what are some other ways that the Tokyo uh, Summer Olympics are discouraging um, athletes from becoming intimate with each other? Well, I mean, it's all about um, getting it out of their filthy heads. You know, these athletes they're just filled with with hormones and, and sometimes doping, and it just get, it gets their their they're raging. I mean, these people they get off the plane from their respective countries, and they are some of the horniest. Uh, most vile people you've ever seen. It's, it's outrageous. Uh, so what we did was we wanted to take some steps. We, you know, it, it, it is actually, I, I was spearheading this uh, to, to really just turn these athletes into just normal people who aren't just craving sex 24 mm-hmm. seven. Uh, how do you do that? Well, you, you purge, you get the, the naughty ideas out of the head. Well, how do you do that? Well, uh, you go to the sports. First of all, javelin, <laughs> you know, the long phallic thing. No, thank you. So it's floppy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so a floppy javelin is not going to turn anybody on. Uh huh. It's going to change yeah, the dynamic. We've discussed that. The athletes are outraged, but it's more, I think, about, you know, they're being, you know, they're outraged because they, they want to be these little horn dogs. I see what you guys have implemented, uh, you know, in terms of the beds. What are some other things that you're doing to like the Olympic Village and the, um, you know, the, the Olympic arenas to discourage sex? Because I mean, like, you know, look, sometimes all you need is a backseat of a car or a, or a janitor's closet. So there's, there is a lot of doping at the Olympics. And okay. maybe you should focus on that. Yeah. Well, no, what we've done is we've created a character. He's uh, he's Barnaby the doper. And he's a little, uh, he's a Japanese man in a trench coat uh, with a fedora. And uh, what he does is, you know, he will, especially with the males, he'll be like, psst, 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 you want some performance enhancing drugs? Mm-hmm. And, and then he'll, you know, these guys will be like, yeah, sure. And then he gets them, he, he injects them. Uh, what they don't know is that they've been chemically castrated. <laughs> and, you know, these, these poor athletes don't realize uh, what they're getting into. Right. But you'll now, notice, this- you'll notice not a single Russian has any sex drive. Oh, that's interesting. I'm going to have to Google that, but I, I, that, I, that I feel like that's right. Huh. A lot of times, um, there is sort of like an ad campaign or, you know, that, um, you know, you, you walk into your room in the Olympic village and you turn on the TV and it's, it's sort of telling the athletes, welcome, here are the rules. Um, you know, here's some information that we want to share with you. Do you have any sort of like almost ad campaign where you're um, keeping the Olympic villagers from feeling uh, sexual? Yeah. I mean, there's every room has a TV that is playing uh, on a loop 24 hours, just an assortment of videos. And so what we've done is we've just tried to discourage bad behavior. So you'll see uh, somebody running with a pole vault. They'll fly up in the air. They'll go over the pole and then they land in a bed next to a lady. And then what happens is a bunch of Japanese women, uh, older ladies, rush in and beat them with purses. And mm-hmm. the, the lesson being like, don't do that. <laughs> okay. Um, 
And are there any sort of like uh, logos or, 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 or songs or, or other sort of characters that um, will dampen the libido of athletes? Yeah. Well, there's Godzilla. <laughs> and uh, oh, tell me about Godzilla. Well, Godzilla is a well-known Japanese uh, symbol. So mm-hmm. they thought, you know, they, they would use him as kind of a way of discouraging people. Okay. So what they do is they have Godzilla. And it, he's walking through a, the village and mm-hmm. they've done, they've done a really great job with the animation, the stuff they can do these days. So he's walking in the village. And of course he's at eye level with like the, you know, the fifth floor, you know, he's very yep. tall and he looks into a room and he sees two people going at it. And so he just smashes his head into the room and bites the, the man's genitals off. And then you see him writhing in pain and he's screaming, I have a relay to do tomorrow. And, you know, uh-huh. he's, and of course he's not going to be doing that. No, well, I would guess not. And so, you know, it's that, it's that we just want to drive the message home. Why? That's, I, I, I kind of need to see that video. So Godzilla, a huge monster, yeah. destroys buildings, yep. sets cities on fire, battles Mothra. Yeah. He he bit the the guy's wiener off who was being intimate with a lady. We don't like to say wiener. We like to say genitals. But yes, uh, it, it, as a lesson. And of course, the woman, is she's not unscathed. I mean, she wasn't physically harmed, but mentally she's ruined. And you, you see her and she says, I was supposed to throw a hammer tomorrow. And then, you know, you know, that's out the window. Uh-huh. So mentally she's ruined. Like how, how, how do you show her mental ruin? Uh, at the flag ceremony, she just turns away from the flag and starts to cry. <laughs> well, a lot of American Olympians appear to be doing that uh, on their own. Well, check out their genitals. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's, that's a lesson for you. So uh, I, I guess enjoy the Olympics on NBC, everybody. I'm excited for it. I hope you are too. Yeah, I was until I heard all this nonsense. Hey, Brian, I wanted to check in with you to see how your son, your 14-year-old is doing, who's down in Alabama, yep. I believe, at a, a military <laughs> camp he, where he's, um, you, you sent him off for two or three weeks? Two weeks. Uh, he sent himself off to the Extreme Military Challenge in Battleground, Alabama. And They don't mess uh, around. Week, no, no, I, I would imagine they don't. So. Um, Last week, you said that the uh, uh, when you guys dropped him off, that you were warned to ignore the first letter that comes home because yes. they are usually uh, letters that beg uh, their parents, like, no, seriously, come get me. Yeah, that was my favorite hell right Yeah, come get me. I'm not kidding. I think it was my fa- one of my favorites. <laughs> so, a- um, so, and then you said we would potentially read yeah. the first letter that you got from your child yeah. on the show. So, and, and this is real. And we got everybody. the first one yesterday. Oh my gosh. It's so great. So I have not heard this. And again, all the other stuff we do is goofy. This is real. So let's hear your 14 year old son's letter to uh, from, you and your wife. From his boot camp. Yeah. Dear mom and dad. Hi. I wasn't able to call you for some reason. So they're, they're given like one free phone call when they arrive but we never got it. It's been very stressful and I didn't have a lot of time to write a letter. I've been very stressed and I keep thinking irrational thoughts. What happens when we run out of oil? Will I live in a super polluted world in my lifetime? Will the earth get better? If you could reassure me on that stuff, I sure would feel a lot better. 
I'm also nervous I might fail my final PT. I have to run, jog two miles in 18 minutes, do 30-something push-ups and 30-something sit-ups. Will you be mad if I fail? I'm trying really hard, but today I did the two miles in 27 minutes and did 20 push-ups. Sit-ups were okay. I really would love to hear from you since I'm very lonely. I haven't cried yet, but the irrational thoughts are bothering me. I miss being younger and having less responsibilities. Should be fewer. <laughs> Besides all of that, could you try and find- That's why he's in camp. <laughs> That's why he's in camp. You used the wrong word. Besides all of that, would, could you try and find a return option from Poland? So if I start missing home, he's going to Poland after this. So sure. if I start missing home or get very bored, I can go home a little earlier. Mom, can you come <laughs> with me to Poland? I'd feel much better about it. The answer is no. Uh, I'd love you and miss you very much. Could you write me more often so I get more mail? Love, son. Um, yeah, so that was his letter. <laughs> oh my gosh. Just thinking of rational thoughts. Oh my gosh. Global calamity. Oh my gosh. No. What, what is that all about? I, I think that's his normal, like when he's under stress, he just sits there and thinks of worst case scenarios about everything. Would you mind sharing us um, the letter that you and your wife uh, wrote back to your son? Yeah, sure. Thanks. Uh, let me see here. Dear okay. Sonny Bunch, <laughs> uh, your mother and I didn't bother to read your letter. Your writing is like a little kid with a, with a burns on his hand. It's very hard for us to read this stuff, and it makes me very upset when I try. <laughs> I won't say I took it out on the cat, but she ain't around no more. Your mother and I have the highest hopes in you, and we know that whatever your final PT test will be, you will pass it with flying colors. To me, you're one of the world's greatest runners, and I really hope that shines through in your test. We probably won't be writing you anything other than this letter because your mom and I are very busy. We like to make salads. We have a dog that keeps us very busy and we love him very much. And that's the focus of all of our thoughts. <laughs> I hope you're having a great time in Battleground, Alabama. I was supposed to come down and pick you up, but I'm a little busy. I'm sure people will pick you up if you're hitchhiking in a military outfit. Love your dad. Not sure if your mom loves you because she's not here right now. <laughs> Where was your wife when you're writing that letter? She was uh, at Disney World with my older son. <laughs> hey, Brian, uh, mm. judging by your face, I would say that you're a big fan of ice cream. Is that true? I love ice cream. Yeah, I knew it. Love it. I just knew it. Yeah, it's ice cream's great, especially in the summer. You know, yeah. like now, if you're you know stuck, uh, you know, at the Birmingham airport and you're hot, and you, you know, you want an ice cream. Yeah, that's, that's the sort of thing you want. Yeah, that's all I think about well, half you, the time. Of course, I, I know it is. What, what is your favorite um, brand of ice cream? Would you say my favorite brand of ice cream? Well, it's a you know I like Hagen Dazs because it's just a made up name. Mm -hmm. um, I like Ben and Jerry's because I like to think about politics when I'm having a snack. Um, mm -hmm. I, I love, uh, Edie's and, and mm, Turkey was, Hill. Oh, Turkey Hill's and, garbage. And Hood. Okay. And, uh, the Crisco Project. 
I don't, I don't know that one. Is that like the Manhattan Project? It was an experiment. They said Crisco is white. It looks like ice cream. It scoops like ice cream. If we freeze it, maybe it will taste like ice cream. Hmm. And uh, did it? No, it tastes like lard. <laughs> well, you know, it's so funny that you, you right there, you, you brought up right there in the middle of your list of fa- favorite ice creams, Ben and Jerry's. Yes. Ben and Jerry's in the news today. Um, because they have uh, said that they are going to stop selling their ice cream in Israeli-occupied territories. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, they, they have all of these, um, these types of flavors and everything. And they have, they have decided that they are um, sort of with the Palestinians right now mm-hmm. on, um, on, on the occupied territories in Israel. Mm-hmm. Interesting stance for an ice cream company to take. Ice cream is a, is a, a treat you're supposed to enjoy. And what, what better way to enjoy a treat than by thinking about all, all the people who can't have it. Yeah, no, that's really smart. And you're, um, uh, you got your, your master's in, um, in ice cream studies. Is that right? Uh, yes. Ice creamology. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's right. That's what it was. The dairy yeah, arts. Your, yeah. You know, oftentimes what Ben and Jerry's does is they um, they immediately sort of like, you know, name their ice creams, different things. And I was wondering, you know, I want to talk about this Ben and Jerry's story a little bit. And I'd sort of like to start off first with, um, you know, are they changing the names of any of their ice creams to sort of uh, reflect their um, stance and feelings and beliefs about Israel? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, they are. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. Um, it might be fun yeah. for listeners if you like would expand on that and maybe share some of the, the, what they're saying. Sure. Uh, so, so they, they're renaming Cherry Garcia. Oh yeah. Really? Uh, yeah. Gosh, that's such an iconic one for, you know, those guys are such hippies to, yep. to, to take away their Jerry Garcia reference. Wow. But in, in order to, to protest the protesters in Cuba, it's going to be called Cherry Guevara. And all proceeds will be sent to the Castro government, mm-hmm. uh, Raul Castro and, and his friends, uh, to help perpetuate uh, their system of, uh, of leadership there, which is currently under fire by these outrageously unappreciative forces who are seeking a, a democracy and other silly things. Yeah. Yeah. There's some real wackadoo uh, stuff going on. Yeah. So what better way to fight that than with some cherry Guevara ice cream from Ben and Jerry's. Wow. That's really cool. That's clearly their, their activism is, uh, is, is cruising along. What, um, but is there anything sort of specific to, to Israel uh, and, and, you know, and and maybe to the, to the Jewish people that, um, that sort of shows where Ben and Jerry stand on, on that? Um, Sure. So there's a, they have chocolate fudge brownie, mm-hmm. which is a popular flavor. I've had it in the past. I have one in my uh, freezer right now. Uh, and they'll, they're changing that to chocolate genocide. Uh huh. Just a thing they're doing. <laughs> chocolate. So what's, what's the, what's the artwork on the, on the, on the little carton of ice cream? Uh, it, it's just Israeli troops firing at uh, people eating ice cream. Just they're just sitting there minding their own business, eating uh, Ben and Jerry's, and they're being fired at for no reason. Mm-hmm. 
and 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 so what like what what are the um on the on the packaging what are the like Israeli troops look like and uh, you know and what are the the ice cream eaters look like? Well, the ice cream eaters are all young children uh, being peppered with gunfire, and then the Israeli troops are very you can tell from their face they're unforgiving, they're ruthless, uh, they're very mm-hmm. mean, they're scowling, and and they have fangs and hook noses. They I know Ben and Jerry's is getting a little pushback on that, but uh, you know they're adamant that it has nothing to do with uh, prior caricatures. <laughs> Oof, that's i mean you know I, I try not to get offended by much you know i just try and sort of like let things roll off i'm not a big fan of cancel culture that seems a little rough uh you know what they're they're giving it a shot they're gonna see what they can get away with um okay fish food is being renamed oh I, fish food is my all-time favorite ice cream is it yeah what, so what, what are they renaming it to all power to hamas and it's just, you know, it doesn't really give you much of a, it's just, and you see, like, you'll see there, it's a, like a, on the cover, you'll see all these guys clad in green bandanas on the pint uh-huh. and they're all clad in green bandanas and they're holding uh, backpacks filled with the various ingredients. Right. And the idea being they all get together and then explode and then combine all the flavors. So the chocolate chunks and the marshmallow and all that explodes and sort of falls into the container. Yes. All power to Hamas. And then the Palestinian government comes in and gives all those people uh, $25,000 for their sacrifice. Wow. That's that's a a lot of work to do for your ice cream. Yeah. uh, I mean, you get as much as you want when you're in paradise. (laughs) And there are no calories. That's neat. And it's fed to you by sexy ladies. Oh, I love sexy ladies. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. very cool. All right. I got to look into that. Yes. Yeah. I need to maybe change my um, citizenship. Uh, so, so that's cool. Is there, is there, are there any other changes that they're making to the actual ice cream products? Yes. To sort of reflect their belief. Oh, there are. Good. Yeah. What? Well, uh, Chunky Monkey is being renamed. Okay. That's going to be called Martyr's Revenge. <laughs> and it's, it's vanilla ice cream with a rock. And <laughs> vanilla ice cream with a rock with a rock. And so the idea being when you get to the rock, you just take it out of the pine and you throw it at the IDF troops. <laughs> well, so they're, so they're arming the Palestinian people through their ice cream. Yes. Uh, Martyr's revenge, right? Yes. Wow. Uh, Oof. Yeah. But they're really, they're really putting their, um, they're their taking a stance. Where their are. They are taking a stance. It's, you know, and it's what you want from an ice cream company. It really is. Now, I don't, I don't know where Hagen does stands. I, you well, know, I will not mm-hmm. eat an ice cream that doesn't give me their politics. Right. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's smart. Well, I mean, now Hagen Das is certainly a, a probably Ben and Jerry's number one rival. So, are they doing anything sort of to to counter this? Yeah, they've got their own flavors mm-hmm. that you can eat to show your support for Israel. It's kind of oh, a, okay. a counter. So, if you mm-hmm. see somebody eating uh, Martyr's Revenge, you hold up your pint of dry them into the sea salt caramel. <laughs> Drive them into the sea, salt, caramel. Yeah. Okay. Or uh, flatten Gaza pistachio. So it's really, I mean, it's going to be a great way for for people to kind of, you know, enjoy 
a cold treat, but at the same time, let everyone know where they stand mm-hmm. politically. No, that's, that is, that is really important. On one of the great, um, uh, most annoying issues of our time. <laughs> you know, I, we, we, we make jokes, political jokes in this podcast, but ultimately we just want everyone to laugh and to get along. And I think I can speak for you when I say it just breaks, breaks our hearts to see this. Yeah. <laughs> Jack. Yes, Brian. There's money to be made in audiobooks. Well, 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 oh, in, in audiobooks. Yes, audiobooks, Jack. Uh, audiobook, all these books come out. They need people to read the books. They need pe- so okay. that people can be driving and listening to a book instead of reading a book. A lot of people don't want to read. They don't know how to read. They don't like to read. They would much rather jog and hear a book and maybe retain 10 to 20% of the information from that book. So there is a chance for you to make some money reading books. Great. Yes. Yes. And so I can make us money, make the show money. We can upgrade everything around us. Yes. You can make the show some money. Uh, so they, the publishers have sent me some, uh, some uh, books or excerpts that they'd like you to read to kind of test to see if you'd be the right person to read the book. They just oh. want a professional read. They want a, just a normal sounding person reading the book. And so I just sent you one. Um, give it a shot. Just please stay professional. You know, I sometimes. Um, you know, you're being judged basically. It's, it's like an okay. audition. Okay. Um, I feel like you were, you sort of started to say something about me and my past performances, and then you edited yourself. I might've, I might've. Uh, so this chapter is, it's, uh, from a book called the road to Tobruk. And apparently it's a memoir uh, about a, a, a German officer in world war II. Oof. Did you get the sample chapter? I, I just open it and let me just read it. Ahead I wouldn't of time so don't I just, let's the, just do it now. I just want to be done with it. Fine. Okay. I'm going to read it. Having never read it. That's fine. Please. And I'm going to get us the money once yeah. I do this. Okay. All right. Tell me when you're ready. I'm ready for you to read uh, this excerpt from the road to Tobruk. Okay. The road to Tobruk chapter seven. Tank commander Gerhardt knew well that there was no way that they could afford to pull over. Time was of the essence, and they needed to be within 50 kilometers of Tobruk within the hour. There were five crew members in his panzer, and they'd never make it if they were pulling over every time one of them had to answer the call of nature. Unfortunately, the water in North Africa did not agree with them, and the entire crew suffered from dysentery as they baked in their tank under the Libyan sun. His radio operator, Hauser, looked at him with desperate eyes. Gerhardt frowned and shook his head in the negative. I'm sorry, Gunther, he said. But we can't stop. Orders are orders, and we cannot make exceptions. You must poo-poo in the panzer. Hauser seemed despondent. He was a young man who'd volunteered for the panzer corps out of a sense of pride and patriotism, and now he was being asked to poo-poo in the panzer. He didn't want to poo-poo in the panzer. He knew it was going to be wretched. Gruber, the gunner, sensed what was coming and stuffed cotton balls into his nostrils in anticipation. Hauser nodded to Gerhardt. Before Gerhardt could open the hatch to let in fresh air, Hauser de- <laughs> Before Gerhard could open the hatch to let in fresh air, Hauser defecated violently, shouting, For Germany and the Fuhrer, I poo-poo in the panzer. The stench was immediate and shocking, violently assaulting the olfactory senses of everyone but Gruber. First, Gerhardt retched and threw up, then Van Zelt, the driver, then Newman the loader. Grumman. Uh, spared the odor, but not the sight of Hauser's panzer pro- poops. 
as well as the resulting Panzer Poop Puke, finally succumbed and regurgitated his breakfast into his lap. Of course, they blamed the Jews. Okay, well. Sort of ties into the rest of our show. Um, damn. Yeah, it's a shame. But you know what? It's not a big deal because th- that was your very first audiobook audition. Uh, there are other audiobooks in the sea, as we say, in the audiobook it, it, business. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that's a thing, but um, all right. But that's okay. I just sent you another uh, audiobook audition. And uh, okay. this one is called uh, Up Late. And it's a history of the late show with Stephen Colbert. Oh my gosh, that's exciting. Yeah. And uh, so on that show. they have a book coming out and they would, um, you know, they need an audiobook reader. And you are just the person. Awesome. Uh, that's very exciting. So I've just gotten it and uh, read away. I, I can't. Okay. I won't read yeah, it. You really need to. It. Yeah. We're pressed for time. Okay. Here we go. Up Late, A History of the Late Show with Stephen Colbert. Stephen watched in horror that night as the election pivoted from the expected Hillary win to the unthinkable. He clutched his rosary beads so intensely that three of them broke. When the election was called for Donald Trump, he lost control of three bodily functions, sobbing being one. This was not supposed to happen, he told himself. The following day, he entered the staff writers meeting noticeably exhausted. His eyes were red and puffy. I'm sorry, he told the staff. I was crying all night. He took a sip of water to replenish his tears and pointed to his head writer. Tim, buddy, what do you have for us? Tim pitched a sketch for a hilarious spoof of a pharmaceutical ad. Stephen was having none of it. Shaking his head, he stopped Tim cold. Maybe you haven't heard, he scowled, but Donald Trump was elected president. He paused for a moment because even saying those words make him, made him dizzy. From now on, everything we do will be about how terrible Trump is and how very, very sad we are that Trump won. Every single thing. We are not here to entertain. We are here to help our viewers mourn. Stephen stood up and walked over to the bulletin board onto which had been pinned numerous index cards with jokes on them. He yanked one off and looked at it. This is not about Trump, he frowned. He dropped the card on the floor. One by one, he went through the cards doing the same thing until there were no more funny jokes on the bulletin board. Now, he told his writers, give me some jokes. Rebecca stood up. She'd been disappointing ever since she was hired to tick a box. But now she sensed it was her moment to shine. What if he, we said he was a big, dumb idiot and orange and stupid, she pitched. Stephen lit up. He knew he was set for the next four years. Pretty good. So close. That's pretty, pretty close. But yeah, did break up at the end. I mean, just the one line that she was tired to take a box, take a, hired to take a box. I'll run it by Harper Collins and see what they say. Okay. All right. Well, I'm hopeful, I guess. Be hopeful. Yeah, it's like that. Okay. All right. Well, um, is there any other audiobooks for me to read? Yes. Just sent it to you. Okay. Now, this one is called Full Moon, and it's a novel, oh. and it's about a werewolf. It's a horror. Okay. Horror book. Is it a young adult or is it a full adult fiction? It's a young adult book. Young adult. Okay, perfect. Um, I've just gotten it. I've uh, opened it. Okay, then take her away, sir. Okay. Full moon. Chapter three. A disturbing pattern. Jake knew the full moon was coming. And after three months of this, he knew what that meant. Slowly, he would transform into a werewolf. Hair would cover his body. 
His jaw would extend and his powerful fangs would come forth. His eyes would adapt to the night and he would move rapidly on all fours. He didn't wish to kill, but it was out of his hands. Once the transformation was complete, once he had assumed wolf form, his will was not his own. He would track, hunt down, and devour Asian priests. This tore at Jake when he was in human form. Why did he just target Asians? He would ask himself. Why was his impulse never to snack on a Latino or a white or black victim? Are werewolves simply racist? Or are they programmed by nature to target people who outperform everyone in standardized testing? So strange. He could deal with the monthly transformation and the hair and the fangs and even seeing his circumcised penis turn into an uncircumcised wolf poker. (laughs) But it was eating him alive to think that he might be a racist werewolf. In human form, he certainly wasn't. He loved sushi and harbored fantasies about being trapped in a gondola with King King Jong-un's naked sister. (laughs) And then the other big question. Why did he only crave baristas? He vividly recalled the previous month running right past a terrified Naomi Osaka. (laughs) She played tennis and so she was spared. But moments later, he leapt right through a Starbucks drive through window and tore the throat out of Kenny, whose parents were first generation Korean. It didn't make any sense to him because during the day, he absolutely loved to drink coffee. He'd spend hours nursing a cappuccino and dreaming about being trapped in an elevator with Connie Chung. He wanted answers and he knew where to get them. Bing. (laughs) Uh, jake is a jake's a weird man there's a lot of conflict there jake's torn can't can't be easy being a werewolf no no i would i would say not well that's an interesting okay that's too bad full moon it's right Full moon, full, uh, you know, uh, I guess pre-ordered on Amazon. Yeah. Young adults, his book, whatever the section. Okay. Yeah. You know, sorry, I blew it. Sorry to, you know, um, you know, embarrass myself once again. It's okay. Sorry to my wife. I'm sorry to your wife too. That was questionable material with Jack and Brian. Subscribe on any podcast platform. Watch our video clips on YouTube. Visit us at QMPodcast.com.